We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Today's episode is brought to you by TickPick. Should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save you money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Striking Gold and the Blue Wire Network. My name, of course, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for these fine folks here at the B-Dub. Joining me tonight is my co-host, the man in charge of Niners Nation, KP, Kyle Posey. How are you holding up after that 49ers game? <laughs> it was uh, – so we kind of talked about this before. It was expected, I think, in our eyes, where it was just one of those you know, sneaky matchups where the Eagles you know, had everything you need to beat the 49ers. But – San Francisco prevailed. Yeah, that once that fourth quarter hit, it's like, oh, man, here we go again. But they, they pulled it out, and that's what good teams do, and I think that's what really matters. Yeah, it was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. It was a completely different flavor than the Lions game. Like Lions, The Lions game is one of those games that, like, they won, but they, you know, given the injuries and given what happened, it, it definitely felt more like a loss. Whereas this game is has a completely different vibe. I can guarantee you, one, the Eagles are a better football team. I don't know how much better. It's tough to know right now. They're a better football team than the Lions. And it was the second consecutive road, road win. The 49ers have been out of town this entire time. Um, and it just was a very – it was a slugfest from start to finish. And I don't mean that in terms of landing punches, but – it just was a very, very gritty game. The 49ers, of course, won 17 to 11. Um, it was it was rough. But like I was saying, you could just tell by the way the players talked about the game. Like after the Lions win, the players in their press conferences were talking about this game like it was a loss. You know, like it, they were just in the dirt. Obviously, they lost Jason Brett. They lost Raheem Mostert. But at the same time, it was just a win that almost completely collapsed on them. Whereas this one was like a win that they had to earn from start to finish. And there were plenty of mistakes along the way, plenty of little things that you could point to as to why they didn't score more points or why the Eagles did score 11 or whatever, however you want to word it. But it just felt way different. Like this was a win they had to earn. That's why they were so happy about it afterwards. And now they get to go back to Levi stadium and uh, play against the green Bay Packers. So it, it just had a, completely different feel to it maybe still slightly disappointing to some people but like you said kp you and i kind of thought the eagles were game from the start so for them to come in there to a to a not to mention a a home crowd that seemed completely game like they they definitely had an impact on the game and uh it was an impressive win it was ugly but it was impressive does that make sense can it be both yeah absolutely so you you're going to have adversity like in any NFL game. And we saw that last week, no matter who you play, especially the 49ers, they're going to get everybody's best shot. And that's what is happening. So yeah, we, I think 
you also have to give credit to the Eagles because they are very good in the trenches on both sides. And that matters because that's how you stay in the game. They also have speed on both sides and the 49ers had to deal with that. But when you look at some of the numbers in this game, um, well, first of all, the first half, how are they up? Let's talk about that. How are the the 49ers winning at halftime? It was seven to three and it could have easily been like 20 to three. Uh, the 49ers, obviously, Javon Kinlaw blocked the field goal. The Eagles, what the hell was that on fourth down? They ran the Philly special, which was a disaster. A great job by the 49ers to sniff out that play. But, they, I mean, there are a few different plays from Philly where, uh, what are you guys doing? Because they were moving the ball, and they kind of shot themselves in the foot. But, again, you have to credit the 49ers for making those plays and you know making them, uh, you know, being where they're supposed to be when it mattered. Yeah, they had that big play to Jalen Hurts to I believe his name is Watkins. I don't yes. know his first name. What's his first name? Quez. Quez? Like Q U E Z? Yeah. So okay. Jalen Hurts had 190 yards passing, and 91 of those yards came on one play. <laughs> I mean, and in in their defense, it was a great play. He got yes. open. Um, he put. Uh, he had. Uh, Diamador Lenore stumbling, and the ball was dropped exactly where it needed to be. And credit to both Demo for not giving up and Jaquiski Tart for just coming out of left field and helping uh, Demo take down the receiver. And that's what stopped him on the five-yard line. And then the Eagles kind of just fell apart from there. The 49ers defense kind of st- – to just for a defense to have to turn around and run 90 yards down the football field so that they can – be there for the next play, and then put together that stop, that's pretty impressive. As much as it was the Eagles shooting themselves in the foot, the 49ers also kind of just stepped up and and made sure that that it wasn't going anywhere. It was uh, That was kind of like the game-defining play, I feel like, when I look back at it. It definitely like, turned. Like, that is just insanely demoralizing. To, to hit a play like that, to get on the five-yard line, it's first and goal from the five-yard line, and then you don't score. Not only do you don't score – I mean, I, I guess that's essentially what I'm still saying, but you don't get any points. They didn't go for the field goal. They went for it on fourth down. They went for that Philly special, and it just got kind of snuffed out by the 49ers, and it just, you just kind of threw it away. And it was just – that was just such a – I'm not going to say a momentum-shifting play because it, it, it was relatively – it was in the first half, and you know there, a lot of things happened after that to kind of sway the game one way or another. But it, that's just such a – that's what good teams do. You know, like they get into situations that are far from ideal and they still find a way to make the best of it. And that's kind of what the whole game was for me. Like they had none of, you know, the defense, they played outstanding. I mean, the Eagles only put up 11 points total and seven of them came on a drive that felt like garbage time, although it it wasn't. And it was just just a, a game that just felt like everything is going wrong, but how can we still figure this out? And they did. And I mean, if we, if we turn things towards like kind of focus things on the offensive side of the ball, Jimmy Garoppolo had a decent day. I mean, if you watch the game, it didn't feel decent from a numbers standpoint. It was decent, you know, 73% of his 30 passes uh, for 190 yards and a touchdown, you know, which is, he didn't turn the ball over, which is a huge deal. I mean, that's, Especially with that Eagles defensive front, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't turn the ball over is a big deal. Had a couple near misses, uh, missed a couple throws early that kind of like had everybody's alarms ringing like, oh, goodness. Here we go. Here comes bad Jimmy. Um, But he kind of turned it around, and he at least made the most of it. One of the biggest plays of the game was an absolute needle uh, through two defenders with one right behind Debo, two Debo, and – Debo Samuel did Debo things and missed a tackle and then kind of outran everybody to the 10 yard line. So um, just weird, man. what do you think of Jimmy, dude? I don't think he played well. I think the bar has to be higher for him if we look at today and think that he played well. So you, you mentioned those early misses. Like he was airmailing passes and he wasn't just missing by a little bit. Uh, some of those balls were by like five, 10 yards off, just like sailing on guys, first downs. Um, that pass that you mentioned to Debo, like that's what he needs to do. When he just kind of hangs in there and doesn't think about it and lets it rip, that's when Jimmy's at his best. I also think probably the best part of his game today was just his legs, like his mobility. He, he's done that two weeks in a row now where 
Um, he just evades pressure. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, when you scramble, it doesn't always have to be like we saw from Hertz where he runs for 20 yards or whatever, just staying ahead of the chains. I think that's where he's at his best. But I mean, he had two passes go through the hands of Eagles defenders and that could have been, um, you know, game right there, essentially where the 49ers are already struggling in the first half. And if the Eagles catch either of those passes, like who knows what happens after that? So uh, I think, that's why we saw a little bit of conservative play calling from Kyle Shanahan and we didn't really see him stretch the field, which in turn uh, had an effect on the running game. So the offense did not play well today. I think the defensive line from the Eagles beat the 49ers offensive line up. And I just think that, you know, they have to they have to find a way to generate explosive plays. And uh, we saw what happens when they don't last week and we saw what happens when they don't this week. So, um yeah, I, I don't think Jimmy was, you know, like awful by any stretch, but I wouldn't classify him as good. Like I'm seeing people, you know, just on social media say that he did this or he did that or uh, the quarterback sneaks. Like those are great, but like, come on, like, he's rushing for one yard. <laughs> like, what is uh, is is that how low the bar is if we if we talk about this game being a success? Because uh, we are going to see some teams that are far better than the Eagles. And he cannot play like this against those teams. Like, for example, next week and the week after and even the week after, um, all these games are going to start to matter now. And I think we're we're out of the uh, the cupcake phase of the schedule. So um, I want to see better from Jimmy. To be fair, like what's going on with Brandon Ayuk? Just play him, man. Seriously, like enough with the doghouse stuff. We get it. You're upset. But I was watching him today. Like I was solely focusing on him and he was trying really hard. Um, to dig out safeties or to, to come cut or crack back a linebacker. So he, he was – there's I don't know what you could do moving forward to say that he doesn't deserve to play, but you're going to need your first-round receiver because when you don't, um, you, you know, your quarterback doesn't have all of his weapons to throw it to. Right. Yeah, it, the Ayuk thing was still a little bit weird. Um, he did have his first catch for a whopping six yards, Woo! but that, that was it. He had two targets. So it's yeah, it's man. not even – it's not even like a Brandon Ayuk on the sideline doghouse. It's like he's being he's out there, he's running routes, and he's not even being targeted. He got targeted two times. Compare they threw a screen to Juwan Jennings instead of him. Right. Juwan Jennings got his first NFL touchdown on what was the last read of the play before Brandon Ayuk made any meaningful plays. I mean, in comparison's sake, Debo Samuel, who obviously has been outstanding, uh, he had eight targets, you know, four times more than Brandon Ayuk, their first round pick from a year ago. So I don't know what happened, what the problem was. Uh, I mean, Trent Sherfield only had one more target than Brandon Ayuk. So at least in this game, it didn't feel like like the reason Brandon Ayuk wasn't targeted was because Trent Sherfield was balling out. And that doesn't necessarily paint the whole picture. Um, but it, it, especially when, you know, I have to see the snap count and stuff like that, but it, it is weird. And maybe Kyle Shanahan's just trolling everybody and he's just going to absolutely, <laughs> I, I unleashed Brandon. I, at home against the Packers. I don't know, man, but to me, it's just playing with fire, dude. Cause players, yeah. they can be incredibly resilient, but they can also take things to heart and just feeling like you're at the start of your second year and you're already being shut down. But again, I, I can't only say so much because I have no idea what happened. No right. idea what was said behind closed doors or what was said on the practice field or what was done during the off season. You know, it, it's hard to just speak too, you know, concretely on it without knowing anything. So I don't Can we know. talk about I, Debo. I know it isn't good. So yeah, let's turn. Yeah. Let's turn the conversation towards something positive. Debo Samuel doing his damn thing again. I mean, Baller. What what couldn't what can you not say about the guy at this point? So they're giving him targets, and it seems like every target he has, he ends up running through somebody's face. I'm very serious <laughs> when I say that. Where he just runs over guys, and he might he might catch the ball on the 20 yard line, and there's a guy at the 21 yard line. He's getting to the 25, whether you like it or not, and that seems pretty consistent. So I could see why you know uh, Kyle loves him just by his style of play. But at the same time, Jimmy trusts him, and I think that goes a long way as well. And I'm not saying he doesn't trust Ayuk because he's not on the field right now, but uh, there's definitely a rapport between him and Jimmy, and Jimmy's eyes go to Debo. And when you can trust a guy, that does make a big difference. Um, he was really good today, man. And uh, I, obviously we thought Ayuk would be the number one receiver, but through two weeks, 
Samuel has more combined targets than Ayuk and Kittle, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, he looks really good. He's fast as ever. Like that's never really been a question. But to see him run with the speed and like the vol- or the violence that he does is, is really fun. So um, I I think that Samuel was probably the best player on the field when the 49ers offense was on the was on the field and the Eagles were on the field. So uh, when you can get that type of production from him, and it's happened two weeks in a row, obviously not to the extent we saw against the Lions, but he's uber productive when you throw him the ball. So, uh, yes, more of that, more of Samuel. And I think, honestly, you can kind of spin into if Samuel's going to develop like this and you imagine, you know, Ayuk will do the same as the season goes along and we already know who Kittle is. Like, this is going to be great for the 49ers offense and for Jimmy. So to have three legitimate targets like this. So, um, you know, we were talking about before the season how – you know, Debo is a running back and he's not a real receiver and he's not getting the targets like that. You can't say that anymore. Not after these two games, man. So love, love what we saw from Debo. Yeah, me too, man. Cause that Debo was the, was the, the question mark heading into the season. Like we didn't know what to expect as far as preparation. Obviously it's only been two games and injuries have kind of been a thing for Debo. Well, he likes to miss like half the season. I think he's done that twice and it's, Encouraging though, because we talked about it. I thought Ayuk was going to be the motherfucking man, and and he may still be. But through right. two games, he's barely a factor at all. He's not. He's not even a factor. So he didn't even convert a first down. Well, he did convert first down. They went to him on third down. So I almost had to eat crow there. Um, but it it's just flipped of what I would have thought it would have been. And I didn't think Debo Samuel would be a non-factor like Ayuk has been, but I certainly thought Ayuk was going to be the guy and then Debo Samuel would be sprinkled in with his normal gadget plays and a few catches here and there. But uh, it's definitely been the opposite. And I guess, I mean, you mentioned him. I don't, I don't think there's any concern with George Kittle. He's obviously still pancaking the hell out of people in the run game and doing the damn thing. But he only had four catches for 17 yards. And I think maybe – Part of the reason the 49ers may be struggling to move the ball, the ball a little bit is because, like, why don't you just get the ball to George Kittle a little bit more? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the Eagles player. were doing to take him away, but he is one of the best tight ends in the NFL, and he's in dynamic after the catch. So, like, let's let's get him a little bit more involved. So it seems like he was more of more involved in like the running game and just like chipping and making sure that you know Jimmy stayed upright. Which is great in theory, but he's still your best player, man. And you, you want to get him the ball because when you do, he also likes to run through people's faces. Right. Yeah, him and Debo Samuel are like carbon copies of, of each other at their positions and the way they play. So I'm looking at the running game was a little hit or miss. You still had uh, Elijah Mitchell just getting the bulk of the carries. He got 17 carries. For a hard 42 yards. And and when I say that, I didn't really see a whole lot that I would be like blaming on Elijah Mitchell as far as his lack of production. There just was not a lot of space there. I noticed, and when you when you have me noticing offensive linemen missing blocks, then you've done something wrong because it's just not something I ever focus on too much. But I noticed anytime the offensive line was asked to get to the second level and block a linebacker, it rarely happened. They were just – I don't know exactly who was at fault, but it happened a lot. And they, you could see they do these tosses, they do these outside runs, and it would look like at the first level they were blocked up pretty well. There would be a pretty definitive hole for a Mitchell or Hasty or whoever or Samuel to hit, but then it wouldn't be blocked up beyond that and he the, the, the runner would get met at like three or four lo- yards and that's it. And – which, you know, and that kind of seemed like a summary of Mitchell's day. Like he just was asked to do the hard things. And then Hasty started getting some touches later on in the game. Uh, Mitchell had what Shanahan hopes is a shoulder stinger. And Hasty got some carries, broke off a huge 21 yarder uh, to set the 49ers up for a touchdown. Uh, but then he left the game with an ankle injury, ankle injury that Shanahan is not sure how bad it is. So, I mean, we'll get to, to Trey Sermon, but as far as the guys that were actually part of the game plan, did you see anything that, like, <laughs> I don't know, surprised you? <laughs> Just you saying that, how crazy is that, man? That right. it took uh, an injury to Elijah Mitchell, Jermichael Hasty fumbling for Trey Sermon to get in the game in the fourth quarter. Like, he was not a part of this game plan at all. Like, they did not want him to get onto the field. That is crazy. And, 
And then in his first carry, and I am, I am absolving Trey Sermon of, of the down negative of this. I probably shouldn't, but Trey Sermon's first carry does a decent job breaking into the second level, gets a first down, immediately takes a shot to the right temple by an Eagles defender that sends him down into his left. And before he hits the ground, takes a shot from another Eagles defender in the left temple and then plants face first into the turf and fumbles the ball. And I, I don't know if they ever said whether or not he was down before he fumbled, but what they did end up saying is that he, he'd taken those two illegal shots to the head before he fumbled. So the fumble didn't count. And if they, you know, they, they gave him those 15 yards and the drive continued, but the dude could not have gotten a more worse. Oh, could not have gotten a worse first snap in the NFL. Uh, it, it was bad. It was bad. Took two ridiculously hard shots, fumbled the ball. Eagles recovered for a minute there. It looked very dreary, but not a whole lot of takeaways from uh, Trey Sermon's debut there. Other than I hope that he is okay. And yep. in the concussion protocol. I'm, yeah, he is in the concussion, concussion protocol, and I, I wonder if he's going to play next week. But I really wonder if the coaching staff would hold that against him because it was a good run up until that point, and he did get a first down. So, you know, hopefully you know, we see more of him. You, when you ask about Elijah Mitchell, I don't think he is the best running back on the team, just based on what we're seeing here. The Yes, the 49ers offensive line did not win the battle in the trenches. Yes, the Eagles were playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage for a good portion of the game. But I think Mitchell just hits that, holds that turbo button and runs into the backs of the offensive linemen, and he misses running lanes that are there that could potentially be there as far as cutback lanes go. That was an issue last week, and I saw a little bit of that today again. Be interested to see, you know, if, if I'm just exaggerating and it was only one time, but he sh- he should be running for more yards than he is. And that was the case last week where, yeah, he went over 100 yards, but that was only 38 yards. When that happens, of course, you're going to have a nice little box score there. But um, I, I don't know, man. Something something is up with Mitchell. I, I don't know what that is yet. I don't know if Hasty. I, I mean, Hasty looked better in, you know, just his few carries because you, you notice that little bit of patience, and that does make a difference. But the 49ers, they – you shouldn't go a game when Kyle Shannon is your play caller and only have one explosive run. And that happened late in the game when Hasty uh, ran for that 21 yarder. So I do want to see Mitchell uh, on the rewatch to see if there's anything up, but I don't know, man, maybe hopefully sermon is healthy because I, I still think, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be the best runner. He's the best fit for this game. Um, we'll see. It's still early, but uh, cause for concern because the running game has not been good two weeks in a row. Right. Yeah, it, it, it was it was rough. And in their defense, and it's not really a, an ardent defense or anything, but they did face two very, very good defensive fronts um, in you know the Lions, as bad as a team they are. Their defensive line's probably their best position group. And then the same could be said for the Eagles. They have a lot of young talent on the team, but the defensive front is where a lot of their, their playmakers are. And it wasn't Derek Barnett who who tore their who is believed to have torn their Achilles. Uh, Brandon uh, Graham. There you go. Yeah, who was who was their veteran pass rusher slash DN slash just all around stud. So um, that's tough. That's tough. Forty ers fans are knowing what you're feeling right about now. So um, it was uh, it was definitely tough sledding the whole game. I mean, the Forty ers as a whole only averaged 3.1 yards per carry. They had 30 they had 38 total carries on the ground and only averaged 3. Point, just barely got over 100 yards. So it was it was not the 49ers rushing offense that we're used to seeing. Um, I'm not necessarily ringing the alarms by any stretch of the imagination. I think Shanahan will find a way to get it going. But at the same time when the injury report consists of what four players and three of them are running backs um you're hurting, you know, like we'll see. But right now, Elijah Mitchell, he's out with a shoulder injury that, like I said, Shanahan hopes is a stinger. Jamichael Hasty has an ankle injury that no one knows how bad it is yet. Uh, Trey Sermon is in the concussion protocol. The 49ers lost Raheem Mostert to a season-ending injury or he elected to have knee surgery, um, season-ending knee surgery last week. So they're running out of running backs. And um, 
we'll see where that goes, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if some players are added at this point, but you got anything else you want to, you want to touch on with the offense before we roll to our sponsor and the defense? No, I'm curious to see, you know, if the kid gloves, if the training wheels come off of the offense with Jimmy under center, because I did feel like that was a lot of the case today, just with, with him being a little erratic at first, like, yes, he did play well after the second quarter, um, in spurts, but there are still way too many misses because and well, when I say four that, quarters, right? Like, you don't just get to take away the bad shit. <laughs> that's uh, that's a great point because you know we talk about the misses and think about some of the throws that he's making. Like it's not like they're running this complex offense. It's not like he's throwing the ball 15, 20, like multiple yards down the field. It's a lot of it's at the line of scrimmage. There were a ton of screens today, and I don't think they're going to be able to get away with that against you know the better team. So. That's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yep, I agree. And I think it's also worth noting before we move on that I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo threw one pass beyond like 20 yards. And the ones he did throw beyond 20 yards, he missed. Um, no, no, not not even – not the ones he threw beyond 20 yards. The ones that were closer to 20 yards, like 15 to 20, uh, he missed. So the 49 – maybe one of the reasons the 49ers had so much trouble running the ball – was there was absolutely zero threat of a deep pass. So that's not necessarily something that continue. The 49ers have receivers capable of of getting open deep. So to me, that's kind of just a glaring thing. And I know a lot of that has to do with the way the, deep, the Eagles defense plays. They're very much trying to keep everything in front of them. Probably some cover three looks and stuff like that. But, you know, you got to find a way to at least – make it look like you could have an explosive play. And at no point during today did the 49ers ever look like they were even a threat. Whereas the Eagles, not only did they complete a 91-yard play, but they tried for one multiple times. So kind of something that I noticed. I think it has something to do with, you know, the stagnation. But I'm no Kyle Shanahan. I don't know. Um, Before we get on to defense... We got to get a quick word in from TickPick because 49ers football is finally back. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees and the other ticket sites charge which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Hey, y'all know what it is. Next week, the 49ers are coming back to Levi Stadium to face the Packers. It's the home opener. Get out there. Visit TickPick.com slash gold today and use the promo code promo code gold, G-O-L-D, to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But yeah, 49ers finally on their way back to Levi Stadium for the first time in a minute. First time fans have been there since, what, the NFC Championship game against Green Bay? Yeah, man. Perfect I mean, that's kind of a big deal. That place is going to be insane. That yeah, crowd gonna is going to be going nuts. The 49ers are 2-0. It's an ugly 2-0, but the 49ers are 2-0. and 
You know, they're coming to they're coming back to Levi's. First time fans have been allowed in a while. It's the Packers. It's a great rivalry. They play each other all the time. It's always a great matchup. So real quick, if the 49ers are 2 and 0 or sorry, if the 49ers are like 9 and 1, 10 and 0, 8 and 3, whatever it may be, nobody's going to give a damn how they won these games. Like that does not matter. As long as you win, especially early, especially on the road, that's what really matters. Right, because they're not all going to be wins like this. You know, you have to you have to earn those, man. Like, and whereas the Lions felt like a shit show, this one felt like you know just an, a a brawl. You know, like ugly stuff from both teams, good stuff from both teams, punches back and forth, low scoring. I told you earlier today, I thought it was going to be a shootout because I didn't think the Forty ers were going to have. I think Jalen Hurts was. I thought Jalen Hurts was going to do more of his thing. I thought the 49ers were gonna just gonna have to produce on offense to kind of keep pace. And it ended up being exactly the opposite. It was like whoever scores two touchdowns wins. You know, like it was uh it was something else. But on that note, the defense, man, probably the star of the game. And it's not that the offense did nothing, but the defense was just stubborn, 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 stubborn. Probably leading the pack. I mean, you got Fred Warner, who's obviously always leading the pack. But Nick Bosa is doing Nick Bosa things. Uh, He had two sacks, one of them late in the game that really kind of changed the the feel of things. Uh, Obviously, with those two sacks comes two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss. He also had a forced fumble that didn't get recovered by the 49ers, but ended up being a, a pretty bad loss. So... Pretty dominant performance from him. He looked good, man. He looked good. Gave up contained a couple times, but that's kind of inevitable when you play a quarterback like Jalen Hurts um, and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. The right, guys who right. So the fast guys. What's your? What was your? I mean, what was your just initial thoughts on the defense, man? I mean, uh, I shouldn't have even mentioned Nick Bosa. Just what, overall, what did you come away from them? Uh, these dudes are good. These dudes can play. So uh, we mentioned how the. Philly's defensive line was playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. The 49ers defensive line definitely played on the other line of scrimmage. They reset the line of scrimmage, and the Eagles really couldn't do anything on the ground. Like, their numbers look good, but that's because a lot of scrambles from Hurts and a lot of that came on that 60-second drive, which was nuts (laughs) um, when the Eagles scored. But I thought having Kinlaw back was huge. Uh, Last week, Zach Kerr was – if he started in the A-gap – he would end up in the C gap. And that's how a lot of those big runs happen was not and a problem. That's how you end up inactive. Right. Yeah. When people were acting, people were asking, what'd Kerr do? Well, <laughs> if you watched last week, um, but no, Kinlaw was great. I thought Eric Armstead was really good, especially early on. Uh, you had Arden Key. So like all the defensive line, Arden Key had a big quarterback hit on third down where the announcer was talking about Bosa, but Key was the one who beat his man and hit him. Like what? Like Bosa is great. We already know that, but everything doesn't have to be about him. Obviously, he had the two sacks. Uh, he's going to be, a, he's obviously a really good player. But I thought the secondary, man, like they were really good. When you talk about being a shootout, I thought the Eagles, Devonta Smith especially, like I thought they were going to have a field day with the 49ers secondary. So it didn't get off to a strong start just with uh, Josh Norman having those two defensive pass interferences. But we mentioned how. Uh, Hertz had 190 yards, and 91 of those came on one play. So Devonta Smith was targeted seven times, and he only had two catches for 16 yards. Like, they were being really physical with him. I thought Yamdor Lenore was very, very good. Um, yes, he had the big long play, uh, the 91-yarder. But that seemed like more of – I don't want to say he fell asleep, but I just don't think he was expecting a deep pass in that scenario, which, you know, more often than not, offenses aren't going to take that shot. So I, I don't really hold that against him. Uh, he, he had a really solid game. We had three pass breakups, man, and one went up in the air where I thought the 49ers might have an interception. So uh, he was really hey, good. Go in ahead. the words of Marshawn Lynch, I know I'm going to get got. <laughs> but I'm going to get mine more yes. than I get got, though. Like, yes. And that's the life of a corner, man. Like, You know you're going to get beat, and you know you're going to give up plays. But how often can you get yours in comparison? And – I'm assuming the 49ers are really excited from what they've seen from Demo so far. For him to hold his own against Devonta Smith, like that is big time because if anybody watched Alabama last year, this dude broke a ton of records. Like he was the Heisman for a reason, and he was very good last week too. So I was that was very promising to see. 
Lenore play at such a high level. So I mentioned uh, three pass breakups. Tart had one. Jimmy Ward had one down the field. With Both of those guys are like one-on-one in coverage. So uh, very, very promising to see. Still probably have to figure out who that other cornerback is going to be because I think the more we get into the season, teams are going to try to, you know, expose Norman's lack of athleticism. Uh, he, was, he was pretty handsy today, and I imagine that's going to be the case for him moving forward. But um, really strong effort from the defense today. I don't think – I never really thought that, even with all of their speed, that the Eagles would threaten the 49ers, and maybe that is because of the defensive line, but a lot of that felt uh, like Lenore – like because of Lenore, because of Warner – or sorry, Ward – because of Tart. And yeah, we didn't even talk about uh, Fred Warner. That guy, still good at football. So <laughs> on after that 91-yarder, Jimmy Ward has the tackle near the line of scrimmage after chasing down jet sweep. Fred Warner has a tackle for loss, which forces Philly to do that stupid Philly special play. Um, they, they Really complimentary football is, I guess, the best way to describe it. They had some series, and uh, not just plays, some series where it's like, whoa, like these guys are good. So they might hopefully, you know, they don't have to carry the offense every game, but it's it's nice to know that they're capable of that. And I think what we saw today is uh, is pretty promising moving forward. Yeah, it is, man. It, it was a really promising day for the defense. And one thing to kind of, that you kind of mentioned earlier to complement the corners is one after those couple of PIs, we really didn't see Norman much, which is a good thing. Yep. You know, like they weren't targeting him. Um, and on those two, even those two pass interferences, I didn't think the first one was that bad. I thought they were kind of fighting each other, and Norman kind of just won the fight. You know, and, and I hate when they do that so often, where it's clear that the offensive player is also hand fighting and then loses, so it's a PI. But if the offensive player is hand fighting and catches the ball and wins, then you're not going to call anything unless there's this super dramatic push-off or something. And so it's it's really one-sided how they call that. Um, I don't remember. I was not looking at the screen when they showed his his second PI down in the uh, the end zone. I don't know how bad that one is. I uh, missed that one too. Yeah, I, People yeah. said it was ticky-tacky. So, I mean, I imagine it was if, if, you know, we have to even question it. But I think you brought up a good point where Norman's in position. Like he's in phase to make a play on both of those play so it's not like he was beat and like tackled the receiver or whatever so um yeah man they it'll be they have a big challenge coming up obviously with packers seahawks cardinals so getting seeing success i think will go a long way for them but they also already know that they're very good yeah and 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 demo stepping up like that man like he just had a super 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 tough matchup and played super well. Like that's your analysis hashtag from me is super tough matchup played super well. Yes. He gave up a massive play, but again, like when you're talking about a sample size of the guy, you're primarily covering, covering getting seven targets and you're only giving up two. you know, or, and then how runs a four two. like, come on, right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You've got Smith who he was going up against, a lot of the evening, afternoon. And then you had Watkins who busted that big play. And obviously, like I just said earlier, you can't just take away the bad stuff. Like I can't just take away a 91-yard reception. But if you if you magically did, the Eagles did almost nothing through the air. You know, and you're talking about completing a low percentage play um, and, and that just goes for 91 yards. It was a really, really solid game for the secondary. Jimmy Ward is fucking good. Yeah, like, he was just a 40 yards downfield, locking down receivers. It was impressive. It was impressive. And I will say, too, to, to further credit the secondary, the, the defensive line was solid, but Nick Bosa was the only one with sacks. Right. And they were they – were Quite a few plays where they were getting very, very, very little push. And if you look at numerically the box score for this game versus the Lions, it's completely different. They got into the backfield far less and affected plays much less often, yet still held up in coverage. And I thought that was fun. Uh, Demo had three pass breakups, like you said. Tard had one. Ward had one. Arden Key had one. And... It was just a good effort, man. And if you thought the 49ers were were vulnerable somewhere, it was there. And the Eagles have a pretty solid offensive line. So for them to, you know, for that battle to be going on and the secondary still hold up, I was impressed. Um, I'm trying to 
think. I mean, I, I, I really don't knock the 49ers defensive front too much for Jalen Hurts rushing for 82 yards on 10 carries. The one towards the end of the game where he's kind of just running down the sideline was a little weird. You know, they, they obviously expected him to run out of bounds, but you've got to be at least near him for him to run out of bounds, and they weren't. And then, of course, Jimmy Jimmy Ward comes up to make the tackle, and right as Jimmy Ward is making the tackle, the then Jalen Hurts decides to run out of bounds. And Jimmy Ward made contact with him like half a yard out of bounds, and they threw the flag on him, which is bullshit. Like, they should start throwing flags on quarterbacks who clearly abuse the rules that have been given to them. <laughs> I love that. That was like, such a shit call, man. Russell Wilson does it all the time. He'll take off running, and literally right before the defender has to do something, he slides, and so the defender's already aiming for, like, a hip and then hits a head. And the same thing didn't happen for Jimmy Ward. It's just that Jalen Hurts decided to wait super long to go out of bounds, and they threw the flag on him. Like, I understand that they want to protect quarterbacks, but you can't do it at the cost of everyone else. And you can't do it to the point where there's like your rules are being abused and taken advantage of because they're too gracious to begin with. And uh, it it was annoying. It didn't necessarily it did impact the game. It put the Eagles in scoring position, but they were it seemed like they were going to score anyways. But I'm not really prepared to to go down that road. It was it was a shitty call, and they have to stop putting defenders in shitty positions like that because it's obviously not genuine. When stuff like that happens. I was stuck on that play after like the 49ers had the ball and I was still stuck on that play. Like that's how upset I was because I don't know what he's supposed to do. If he doesn't tackle him, if he kind of, you know, olays him and lets him run out of bounds, Jalen Hurts can cut back and then there's nobody. So you can't do that. If and he goes an athlete, high. And it's, right. it's not like a normal quarterback. It's like, like a four or five like dude. running back. Right. If he goes high. Then he's going to get any kind of helmet to helmet or, you know, he's already on their sideline. So he's probably going to get a flag. Um, so he went low. And I don't even think there was that much contact, right? So No, no, no. It was a normal tackle. He hit him in like the thighs yeah. and, 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 and Hertz went down. And again, like if, if, if Jimmy Ward was hitting him like where he was, he had almost cleared the white sideline, then of course, throw the flag. You're an idiot, Jimmy. But he hit him like on the white. He had just gone out of bounds. And Jimmy Ward cannot magically stop his body from going forward once he started to lean down and commit to a tackle. And you can't even change where you're going. Like, you're falling forward. You're make you're going to tackle somebody. And it wasn't until Jimmy had already started to do, it, do that when Hurts went out of bounds. So, it's bullshit. And it won't ever change because the NFL needs their points. They need their quarterbacks. But it's just dumb. I It's oh, it, it was frustrating just because – like that happens every game, and these guys are so defenseless already with a lot of the rules. And I mean, that's just one that, like you said, always going to get abused. But a lot, a lot of positive from the secondary. So I think that's the real main takeaway, man. I, I tweeted that Lenore was doing a really good job, and not just on the targets, but on some of the replays, you could see he was pinning guys to the sideline. There's nowhere for Hurts to throw the ball because you know there's no space. I think that's very veteran savvy of Lenore. So um really liked what we saw from him. Um, the 49ers, they give us these information from Elias Sports. And Debo Samuel almost broke the franchise record for receiving yards in a game or in the first two weeks. He had TS282 and Bernie Casey and <laughs> this guy named Jerry Rice, who you may have heard. Uh, no idea. <laughs> had 285. So really good on him man i'm i'm excited they to just, see did they just send out that email right now with all the cool tidbits um yeah so i think it, it came out like 15 minutes ago so okay. yeah you can dig through that bad boy you're gonna find a lot um i want to see if debo's role continues to be expanded i want to see if lenore can keep this up against devonta adams against tyler lockett Whew. against dk metcalf <laughs> against um nuke hopkins against A.J. Green, against Ronald, like they have the receivers that they're about to face coming up are essentially like some of the best in the game. So Lenore has been great, and I don't want to crown him just yet because I know it's going to come. But at the same time, I'm not about to give up on him if he has rough days against the best wide receivers in the NFL. But it'll, it'll be fun to see, and it'll be a great test for him, man. I can't wait. 
Right. Yeah. It's and again, it's you. You're talking about the absolute best wide receivers in the NFL. So it's it's going to be a test. But at the same time, you know, with the way that Tart and Ward are playing, you got Warner in the middle of the field. They may be able to make some adjustments. You know, let's talk about you know more like cover two looks that may be able to help those corners out. You know, and we always talk about, or, or we mention every now and then how Belichick handles number one receivers, where you know they'll they'll bracket the number one receiver and then have their best corner play on the other guy. So there's definitely things the 49ers can do to try to soften the blow. But these offenses offenses aren't one dimensional. It's not like DK Metcalf is the only guy out there, and New Hopkins is the only guy out there, and Devontae Adams, and it's, it's just tough to commit assets to to a player like that. And, and still managed to hold everything else down. But um, I'm kind of looking. Obviously, Fred Warner still did his thing. Um, led the team with seven tackles. Had a few moments where I was like, that didn't seem very Fred Warner-ish. But again, kind of the whole team had moments where it seemed like they were just off their game. And they kind of honed it in as the game went on. Um, it was it was pretty impressive. I'm trying not to leave anybody out. Contavious Street looked pretty good in the middle. Yeah. Made some plays, got a tackle for loss, seemed to show off that strength that he was very popular for when they first drafted him. Obviously, he hasn't got to play much, but looked good. Obviously, this is you know there's some stuff that extends beyond the the box score, but Arden Key looks solid, Eric Armstead solid, um, Javon Kinlaw obviously made a difference, made one of the key plays of the game and in, in jumping up and, and blocking a kick. Uh, he, I think in the presser, he said he had a, like a 33-inch vert, which is kind of absurd for a guy <laughs> right. as big as he is. What? If I ever saw a dude that big jump that high, like I'm crossing the street or yeah. whatever, you know, like that is just. Pass. That's absurd. That's absurd. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out, man, because I feel like the defense really earned their keep in this one. I mean, you're talking about a frustrating offense to deal with with a lot of weapons on the perimeter and a quarterback that's kind of finding his groove in the league. And for the most part, they kept everything in front of them. And I was pretty, pretty impressed. I I got to say between, you know, I want to give like the defensive MVP award to like Demo just for, for holding it together with where he is. But, you know, you got a guy like Nick Bosa. I get it. Two Looks sacks, like a GI Joe, but I don't know, man. I would definitely. I mean, they they allowed eleven points to an NFL team, and it doesn't matter what team you play. If you can hold them to eleven points in their house, you did a damn good thing. So that's field goal, um, shut them down after a big momentum shift play. Like those matter. That is a big deal. There's no way around that to to come up with a stop. After they just had a 91-yard pass on you, that is incredible, man. It's a real – like, that is genuine adversity, man. Like, as a football player, when you're put in that situation and you just had to walk in 90 yards in front of a home crowd because you just gave up an absolute bomb and then to just step up against that and shut shit down. Like, that's different, man. That's different. That is That is something else. Entirely, because then you're talking about, and this is why I always love the 49ers, even when they were sucking, even before they got to the Super Bowl. It's like a mental state. It's a mental attitude. It's a toughness. It's a, and it's one of the things, like especially coaching at my level, like seventh and eighth graders, that you want to see kids develop more than any other thing. It's just the be the 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 ability to look adversity in the face and like have it feed you. You know, like you become even better because of the situation you're in. And not even do there's NFL teams that do not have that period that will just fall apart when shit starts to suck. And the 49ers aren't really that team. And that's uh, that's a locker room. That's a culture. That's a, a player leadership thing. If, if you get what I'm putting down. No, I agree, man. To see them respond to like adversity time and time and time again, that's going to make this team much better when it counts. Right. Right, right. Well, man, we talked about the offense, talked about the defense. You got? Any, is there anything else out there that we that we left out? I think. I mean, I think we got it. No, not at all, man. I think we hit on it. it it's there was a lot going on today, man. But I think we're going to learn more and more about this team over the next three weeks. Right, right. Hey, shout out to the motherfucking Fresno State Bulldogs. <laughs> Chip. taking it, 
starting a game in UCLA at 17.45 in the evening and coming away with the dub. If you haven't gotten on the internet and watched Jake Hayner's game, you have to. He made definitely made some mistakes, and the, Ford, or the, 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 the Bulldogs tried to give it to UCLA as much as they could with some turnovers there late in the game, but they just kept coming. Jake Hayner looked like Uncle Rico throwing the football out there late in the fourth quarter because of how bad his hip was hurt. But the dude just kept coming, man. I was so damn impressed. Were you and up all I don't night talk for about that? my huh? Did you stay up all night for that? Oh, well, I was actually so Central Valley, Fresno, just down the street, about forty-five minutes is Hanford, and I went there for uh, a sprint car race. And we were we were watching the sprint car race while watching the races, and there was like people gathering around me. Uh, while they were watching the Fresno State game while we were watching the race. So by the time, literally right, we got home from the sprint car race at like 1045 and the game, we watched the end of the game, like the last 10 minutes of the game and at home. And so it, it, it worked out perfect, man. It worked out perfect. It was uh, it was a hell of a game, man. And I think the, the rankings came out today. I think Fresno State's like 22nd now. Okay. And you're talking about the same team that almost beat Oregon, who's I believe now well into the top 10. And um, impressive, man. I'm happy for I'm happy for my Bulldogs. I'm happy. I don't usually talk about them very much, uh, but they're doing great things. Doing great things. But all right, man. We good? We are good. And We're great. Two and zero. Oh. That's two and all. That hey, Sunday evening, the 49ers' first home game, first primetime game. It's happening on Sunday at Levi's Stadium. If you are going, bring the motherfucking energy. Because uh, I want to see that place have some structural integrity issues with how crazy the fans go. It's going to be awesome. I'll be Can't there. Wait. I'll be there. KP will be representing the Strike and Gold podcast at Levi's Stadium on Sunday afternoon against the <laughs> <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid. Love it. Instantly transition there. But all right, everybody. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to the Strike and Gold podcast. Thank you for supporting us. Make sure you're out there rating, reviewing, subscribing, downloading, all that stuff that adds a little number to all of our background metrics and makes us look like we're doing our jobs because y'all know me and KP just get on here and talk about football. So, um, But we appreciate you. Thank you for the support. That's it for this evening. We'll be coming back at you guys a little later this week, probably Tuesday, um, to kind of break things down a little bit more in detail and get the latest from Kyle Shanahan. Appreciate y'all. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.